This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Hello, I'm Steve Sharetta, Senior Managing Editor at Knowledge at Wharton, and I'd like to welcome Christopher Gazy to this podcast. He's a Wharton Adjunct Professor of Finance and the Academic Director of the Wharton Wealth Management Initiative. But it's in his leadership position with Wharton's Jacobs Levy Equity Management Center for Quantitative Financial Research, where he's also academic director, that we asked him to join us today. And that's because every two years, that center presents the Wharton Jacobs Levy Prize for Quantitative Financial Innovation. And this year's winners are Ray Ball and Philip Brown, co-authors of a landmark paper. They're to receive the award at a ceremony September 27th in New York for that paper, detailed in a 1968 edition of the Journal of Accounting Research. And the title of that paper is An Empirical Evaluation of Accounting Income Numbers. The research demonstrated how earnings-related information is incorporated into share prices. Chris, thanks for joining us today to talk about this award and this paper and uh, just how, just what a landmark study it was at the time. Yes, Steve, absolutely. I'm so happy to do it. Could you explain why this research, which showed how, as I say, earnings-related information becomes incorporated into stock prices, was so important at the time? Well, it's a really interesting story, uh, in part because we saw back then, this was uh, in 1967, essentially, and the paper was published in 1968 in the Journal of Accounting Research. Uh, There were um, very few studies that linked accounting data, reporting data, earnings data, and income data uh, to stock returns, per se. And again, in part, it's because technology had advanced to the point at which it was possible, although it was expensive. Uh, there are some of us who remember that uh, computer programs back then were actually written on punch cards. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, databases had been then assembled, again, at great expense, that allowed the link of reporting, uh, reported accounting information uh, back to stock prices and in what we call uh, a panel setting. So we had various different firms whose, for example, common share uh, returns, which in- involve all kinds of things, not just price changes, but dividends and distributions and splits and, and corporate market for corporate control and, and, and all kinds of things across time, uh, but, but again, in the cross-section, so across different kinds of firms, across time. And so all kinds of things could then be studied, pricing models, ultimately, uh, and as in this case, how information impacted market valuations of investments. And so, uh, I mean, part of what the paper seemed to say is that uh, it was trying to, in some way, separate, uh, let's take, you know, a class of industry, maybe it was telecom or something like that. Something happens uh, in the world and all those stocks generally go up or down, but then trying to separate out from that, what was the performance of the individual firm within that? Is that part of what was going on there? Yeah, that's part of it. The basic idea was to know, is information reported in standardized accounting disclosures, and in this, per- in this instance in particular, earnings and income, relevant for valuation. And the reason it was so important, in part because one of the foundational concepts of finance and investing is the notion of market efficiency and whether, in fact, accounting information provided information that 
is in prices or has been in prices already, already incorporated, so therefore for market uh, participants potentially irrelevant, or is it salient for prices at a particular point in time or in the future? Uh, so uh, even getting a handle on the basics of uh, market efficiency and uh, the backbone of how we should think about uh, the impact of news, for example, uh, for example, uh, uh, news being defined as uh, information that's not already incorporated for uh, in prices, is that relevant? Uh, or should we be thinking that markets are completely um, um, unaware of information when it comes out? And if it's somewhere in between, what does that look like? So uh, this is now more than 50 years later. Why are the authors receiving this award now? Well, for a couple reasons. One, the award that we give at the Jacobs Levy Center, uh, which has been established to uh, recognize excellence in quantitative research contributing to a particular innovation, was chosen by a committee not only because uh, of the 50th anniversary, but because of the cumulative effect of this research, which gave birth to a number of very important strands, both in academia and ultimately in practice. Uh, so it's the right time to give it, irrespective of the fact that it's uh, a particular uh, anniversary of the paper. It's really a recognition of the massive accumulative effect uh, that the paper has had. So uh, that's interesting. How exactly did it open up a wealth of additional research and insights over the de- decades? What was so fundamental about it? Perhaps you've already described that, but what were some of the things, uh, some of the new areas that opened up that we may even take for granted today? Yeah, we, we, we sure do, because information is so readily and easily available. Uh, again, uh, back then, there were all these open questions about whether information impacts prices. Uh, and this is a, a setting, this notion of earnings and, and income impacting prices um, across time, across firms, that was first. So number one, it was essentially first. There are a couple papers uh, that came out at around the same time uh, that um, – we're also uh, relevant. There is a bunch of research ongoing, essentially contemporaneously. A, f- a famous paper by Fama, Fisher, Jensen, and Roll uh, was about to be uh, published and was ongoing, where uh, techniques had been discovered to isolate information impact. Uh, and again, this is both an advent in the math of it all, uh, which is now called uh, the science of the event study, which really is a way of saying, can we isolate an information-relevant event using, uh, for example, regression techniques, uh, statistical techniques, in a structured way, as opposed to um, being uh, verbal about it, or anecdotal, or mythological. Uh, that had not been done. It was, it was, this was the first time, and so being first really does matter. But the other thing is that it was an outstandingly done paper, uh, it was a very heavy lift at the time, and the techniques that were evolving and, and which were used in the paper then became a setting, a scientific setting for studying all kinds of, well, similar and then new ideas. We think this is the first um, discovery where it represents, um, through a couple things they did, uh, the first discovery of a so-called anomaly. So uh, their findings were really interesting. Um, and those things then became studied in and of themselves, and then they, but they, but they gave context to study of information and prices, along with Fama Fisher, Jensen, Roll, and a couple others, a few other authors, um, that now uh, are still getting massive citations, thousands of citations, 
uh, in an ongoing way. So it really, really um, is uh, gave birth to um, an academic profession uh, or a part of the profession. It gave birth to uh, what many asset managers consider today, and it taught a lot of people about uh, markets and investing. So in layman's terms, the value of that, the value of being able to extract the information you were describing is what? That it gives, uh, it has predictive power for where uh, stock prices are going or a company's prices going. What, what is the specific practical value of that? Yeah, the, the, the practical value is, uh, A, uh, is, is giving us a setting to understand whether, and then testing whether information is relevant for prices, mm-hmm. news, earnings changes, uh, or uh, uh, unexpected earnings, um, uh, or what we call surprise. Does it matter? Um, our earnings, um, the first information, uh, when companies report information, is it new? Is it already been incorporated into prices, this so-called unexpected earnings component? Um, if it is, uh, is it all already incorporated or are earnings marginally valuable? Uh, and, you know, you can look at what happens uh, with what we call uh, reaction or guidance uh, relative to guidance for earnings uh, for firms even today. Uh, and some say, well, the right thing to do is look at the so-called whisper number. Uh, what existed back then was just, you know, sort of anecdotal. Uh, and uh, it was done in a context where you could judge statistical significance, understanding ultimately once earnings were, were announced, what then subsequently came in to prices. Mm-hmm. Why do you care? Mm-hmm. You, you, you care because if earnings are announced, and there's no new information already, um, that, uh, no new information incorporated by the announcement of the earnings, then that is neutral. Uh, there is, the market is looking to other pre-earnings announcement information, and that could be looking at uh, disclosures by management, by you know incorporating other data. Um, but, but here's the other side of it. What happens if, when you have an earnings announcement, there's a massive market reaction. That means the market might not be incorporating it already using other sources. And finally, what happens if you can make money at that point in time? So there's an announcement of news, say, uh, earnings, and there's an unexpected piece to it, so it's not priced. And then all you have to do is look at a company's earnings announcement in the accounting data uh, and trade on it and mm-hmm. make money. Mm-hmm. So it, ha- it has massive implications and it's it, it was an amazing study and it tells us uh, just a, it gives us a wealth of information so on a on a on a simple level say an asset manager a piece of information comes out about a particular company they will be able to evaluate that whether they should lighten up on that stock or heavy up in in their portfolio management is that essentially it yeah that's a, that, that's a, that's a good way to put it uh, the point is uh, once you get information that is disclosed in a structured way say via um, accounting disclosures uh, or, and then try to understand what is unexpected there uh, is anything unexpected or are you too late once the earnings information comes out has it already been incorporated into prices that's the key thing so and, and, and how fast, and by the way, how fast once it does come out, if it is salient for prices, how long does it take to get into the price? Can you, can you, you know, wait around for um, uh, two weeks, three weeks, months, a year? Or is it really fast? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so interesting. So it would seem like a lot of things that are being done in finance today are standing on the shoulders of this research that's more than 50 years old now. Uh, what new areas of research might the insights from the paper lead us to in the future, like starting today going forward? Do, or, are there, what, are the, what are the latest areas of research that, are, that have opened up 
because of this, and, and that may produce things we don't know about in a couple of years. Yeah, it's still evolving. And one reason I'm convinced that academic citations of the paper uh, have actually been very high recently, mm-hmm. um, you know, even higher than they were, say, 15 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. That's pretty unusual, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, most yeah. academic papers, uh, if they're not trees falling in the woods, <laughs> so to speak, already, which right. I hope they're not, but right. sometimes you wonder. You have to blow uh, the dust off a... before you read them, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I mean, it depends. Uh, what, what decimal place you're operating in terms mm-hmm. of innovation. Um, uh, uh, but, um, yeah, they, there, there tends to be a half-life to them, unless they're one of the classic papers. Uh, and uh, this is one of the classic papers. And, um, you know, hundreds of citations a year still to this day, maybe thousands, because, you know, you, you have to look at multiple sources to count it up. Uh, but it's relevant because new, new ways of getting data, getting new data, uh, having new techniques for getting the data, and ultimately uh, trade on them or incorporate them have been evolving. Uh, take uh, machine learning or natural language parsing. So while, uh, and, and, and by the way, the evolution of accounting rules, it may be the case that, in fact, uh, accounting information, which still turns out to be relevant, actually, 50 years later, um, is, is salient information, but there are all kinds of other sources. And so now we have a way of understanding how to uh, study the new sources of information, uh, and there's a potential for looking at things in perhaps near real time. Uh, and, and that's even on the, the macro scale, uh, for example, there's something called now casting, uh, which has kind of a macroeconomic flair, but you could still see applied for news announcements uh, or anal- analysis of text in real time where machines are reading texts or machines are taking into account uh, information updates for the economy, for firms, uh, across asset classes. Mm-hmm. And this paper laid the foundation for understanding that. So this is maybe where AI would come in in the future. And, uh, and, and is, is this the kind of thing where you're, you were starting to say that uh, the citations were spiking recently more than 15 years ago? Yeah, we're, we're lucky enough to, um, to have at our upcoming uh, conference for the Jacobs Levy Center where our prize is being awarded to Ball and Brown, uh, other researchers presenting, and we'll hear a bit about uh, things like... Um, you know, real inco- real-time incorporation of information, and one of the papers that was written by one of our panelists, uh, al- along with others, S.P. Katari, and, and, and who's now the chief economist at the SEC, and, and others, did a citation count. So they found that Google, Google Scholar citations um, have reached almost 600 per year uh, in recent years. And if you look back, for example, um, around 2005, it was around 250. So it's becoming, yet again, um, cyclically important, which is just a fascinating idea. That is. That is. So great time to be giving the award. So what else about this research and the authors would it be important for our readers and listeners to know? Well, uh, one of the things that Ball and Brown discovered and documented, which has been uh, incredibly important uh, in today's asset management world, is what's called post-announcement earnings drift. Uh, which uh, is this. What they found was, in essence, when earnings come out or news announcements, broadly, you know, we interpret it in a broader sense, come out, well, uh, in in an accounting sense, uh, information has already been incorporated in prices to some extent. However, information still uh, is relevant. Uh, There's uh, a post... uh, Earnings uh, have uh, uh, an effect, an informational effect on prices. Um... 
however, not all the information goes in. So first, information is already incorporated, and, they, and, and we scale that, and that's, they, they separate the world into good and bad news announcements. The information and earnings is relevant, and then there's a, um, a drift afterward, which uh, essentially is the idea that prices continue to move in the direction of an earning surprise mm-hmm. after the public announcement. And uh, we think that's among perhaps the first so-called anomaly that now is used by asset managers and studied and related to other things that people care about. So it's not that uh, when uh, firm news comes out, uh, reported in a structured way, uh, you know, the information's irrelevant. There, there are ongoing questions about whether they reflect risk or it's, you know, a money printing machine. We all are pretty skeptical about uh, the ease of printing money that, uh, you know, some of the mythology suggests is possible. Uh, but that is, that is an ongoing um, area of actual management. In other words, if you can use something like this to beat the market, which some say is still possible, uh, then that has tremendous value for how you actually run your investment. Well, uh, Chris, thanks so much for explaining this all to us. And uh, look forward to hearing more, perhaps, after the uh, award ceremony. And uh, look forward to having you come back and chat with us about other topics. So if you like what you hear and want to hear more, please let us know at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.